You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve Merle, because you actually started with one of the the theme that we're going to talk about today, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, Good morning. My name is Sheila. I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, I hope that you were able, one way or another, to participate last week in our week of prayer, fasting, and consecration. So um, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law was a really good cook. Um, just the, not, not fancy, not her generation, just the basics, but man, her turkey dinner, her, um, rhubarb custard pie, her salmon fish cakes. Oh gosh, what else? Oh, her birthday cakes with, she made this fudge icing. Um, food was really important to my mother-in-law. She grew up in a really poor family on Vancouver Island, nine kids and, and so, um, from the moment you stepped in the door when you went to grandma's house to the moment you left her from the time you got up in the morning till the time you laid your head on the pillow, mom was in the kitchen trying to figure out what she was going to feed you next. <laughs> and, uh, you would barely have left the, the dining room table and plopped yourself on the couch and there on the coffee table would be one more thing to eat. And when we were leaving and we were getting the kids packed in the car and we were going to head to the, the ferry to get back, back to Vancouver, uh, to the mainland, she'd be slipping money into our hands so that the kids could eat on the ferry. Food was pretty important to mom. And mom had this saying that we, our family repeats regularly. Well, they've got to eat. In this series, we're focusing on passages from the book of John. As we look into today's passage, we're sort of going to hear Jesus say to us, well, you've got to eat. Today, we're going to talk about nourishing. We're going to look at the word as being like bread to us. In John 6, Jesus talks a whole lot about bread. Um, no other gospel records this passage like John records it. He talks um, about bread. I mean, also in the book of John, he talks about water. He um, he has lots of images that um, he's trying to bring across to us. He talks a lot about life, not just physical life, but that that Zoe life, that that life that is um, real and genuine and and full of the goodness of God and 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 the life, good life here on earth, but in the the eternal life to come. Um, so we're going to look at John 6 today. We're actually going to look at a fair amount of John 6, but we're going to narrow in on a few things. But I just didn't feel like we could do it justice if we didn't do it justice. So in the beginning of John 6, a familiar passage, Jesus is with the crowd and he's, they're hungry and there's no food except for some loaves, five of them and a couple of fish that a little boy has. And Jesus feeds 5,000 people amazing, amazing time, amazing story, amazing miracle. And after that, um, you know, the crowd's pretty stirred up and they're pretty excited. And he, Jesus realizes they'd like to grab a hold of him and make him king. So he slips away. Later, his disciples go looking for him and they don't see him. So they hop in their boat and they head to the other side of the lake. Next miraculous moment in what already has been a great day is the storms rise the um 
the disciples are a little nervous out there on the water and who comes walking across but Jesus. He calms the storm and the Bible says that immediately they were on the other side. What a day, right? Well, the next day, all those people, that crowd that was still on the far side of the lake, they get up and they look around and they realize that Jesus and his buddies are nowhere to be seen. So they get their boats and they go across to the other side. And that brings us just a little ways into the the, into John chapter 6. And from this point on, seriously, there are 40 verses where Jesus unpacks this idea of his food and bread. And we're going to read some of this, and we're just going to talk about some of it. So let's start with a Q&A. The crowd finds Jesus, and they have a few things to ask him. And uh, I love when people ask Jesus questions, because it's always fascinating to me. His answers aren't usually, you think, but that wasn't the question they asked you. But it was maybe the question they should have asked. So question number one, the crowd says, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now, Jesus responds to them, and he goes, you aren't just, you're, you saw a miracle yesterday. You were looking, you're not looking for me. You're looking for the experience and, and, uh, the free food and, uh, you came looking for the wrong thing. So the, he, they say, Rabbi, where did you come from? And he answers, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give you. So, they um, ask him another question. Okay, then um, what must we do to be doing the works or the labor of God? Okay, that's actually a pretty good question. Um, Jesus' answer to them is this. This is the work of God that you believe, believe in him who sent you. Hmm. They have another question. Okay, then, what sign do you give that we may see and believe you? Okay, these are people who yesterday saw the man feed 5,000, I think it says men, and then women and children on top of that. I don't know. He fed a lot of people. And they say to him, so what sign are you going to give us that we should believe they go on and say, like, our fathers gave us, uh, here comes the idea of bread. They say, our fathers gave us bread in the wilderness. And uh, this is where bread enters the conversation. Well, here's what Jesus responds. Truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And their response, okay, I do have to say their response was a little short-lived, but their immediate response was, sir, give us this bread. Just four key words, just for a second to think about, um, that came up in this labor, working for the right things, um, believe, okay, there's faith in here. This is, uh, that we're somehow we're going to come to a place of, of belief in this one, he or him. Ah, the bread of life is actually a person. 
And that very word life, that this is where true and everlasting and the fullness of life comes. So four key words we would see, even if we read more of this, labor, believe, hear him, that the, the word is actually somebody and that true life comes from him. Now we're going to read. So beginning in verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose anything of all that he has given to me, but raise it up on the last day. Um, of course, the crowd who just said, um, you know, give us this bread, show us this. Um, now they go, wait a minute here. This is Jesus. And we know his mom and we know his dad and we know where he comes from. And how can he say, I came down from heaven? So you can see the little bit, they're getting a little bit offended by the words of Jesus. He says, don't grumble among yourselves. He hears them. He hears the, the rumble and the grumble and that the words that he's saying are starting to be offensive to them. So let's keep going to verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. For I am, I think you guys have a different Sorry about the little glitch there. Let me go back. This is the bread of heaven that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Okay, the crowd started to get a little bit more offended. They said, wait a minute here. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And we continue in verse 55. For my flesh is true blood, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. When at the end of John's writing in the Gospel of John, he actually um, says something pretty cool. He says this in John 20, verse 31. He says, but these things, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He says, why have I written all these things? Why have I told all these stories? Why have I used all these illustrations that and repeated the things that I heard Jesus say and I and the things I saw him do? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. So all these stories about bread and then bread being tied to life and the life coming down from heaven, and this is what God's giving to us through the, the flesh and, and the very man of Jesus. 
this is the bread that's going to nourish us. So we're going to look at that just for a couple of minutes. You know, I really like bread while we're on the subject of bread. I really like bread. Um, I like bread a whole lot. I grew up liking bread. I grew up with white bread and whole wheat bread. And because I grew up in the Kitchener Waterloo area with all our German roots, I grew up on rye bread and we were fasting and I was reading and thinking about bread and actually went and bought a loaf yesterday of pumpernickel bread because it was one of my childhood favorites. So I was kind of thinking a lot about bread. And then when I grew up, I, I realized, oh, there's so many more types of bread in the world. Um, I encountered sourdough and bagels. I didn't eat a bagel till I was like 18 years old. Can you believe it? And pita bread and non bread and bao and of course, pandasol. And Friday evening, um, Friday when we were going to break the fast and I've been thinking about bread, I, I prepared some pretzels for Bert and Luke and I to eat. And yes, we almost ate that entire pan of pretzels. They're kind of puffier than what pretzels should be, but that's because we had to go to a prayer meeting. Um, but, um, I really like bread. And, uh, here's what I know about bread. It's not just good enough to look at it. And it's not just good enough to set it up on the shelf. And it's not just good enough to smell it. Um, but, there's some action required. To get the fullness of bread, you actually have to break it and eat it. And uh, I think as we're looking today at Jesus as the bread of life, there's some action required here. And there's probably a lot of things. There's probably a lot of ways that we can take in the sustenance of Jesus as our very bread. But I'm just going to look at two today. I'm so how are we nourished? How are we satisfied? How, what, how do we get enjoyment and even strength out of Jesus as the bread of life sent down from the Father to us? I'm going to look at two things. I'm going to look at the word, and I'm going to look at the work. Well, who is this bread, the word and the work? Let's talk about the word. So. Um, often in my years going to church, when I hear maybe a sermon or a message or somebody talk about Jesus as the bread of life, that scripture that Pastor Steve Merle closed with um, from Matthew 4, 4, the, the Jesus response when he, when the devil is tempting him in the wilderness, I think it's in three of the four gospels, his response when the, the devil wants him to take a stone and turn it into bread, he says, but it is, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And lots of times that, that was the end of it, that not just the end, but that Jesus the bread was actually the word of God. And man, there's so much to that. Um, Jesus didn't just come up with that on his own. He and his father actually probably had that in their mind a long time ago that, <laughs> that man needed to live not just by bread, but by the word of God. In fact, way back in Deuteronomy was where this sentence was originally recorded. And Jesus is quoting the word of God in that moment. So here's another one. In the beginning, we're going to talk about the Word. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 1. Ah, and then we go on to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory 
as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So let's follow the line here. Man doesn't live by bread alone. He lives by the word of God. And that word was with God and that word became flesh and dwelt among us. Ah, Jesus, the very bread of life, but so closely intertwined with the spoken and the written word of God. So, um, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. Listen to this. It's not on your screen, but I love it. This is from, this is the message. We often throw the message version penned by Eugene Peterson in because it just gives um, some, uh, I don't know, clarity. Oh, some words we can um, just hear in a different way. This is Second Timothy, and it goes, There is nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, ouch, um, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. Which brings me to the second thing I want to look at today, and that is the work. Once again, tipping into the message. I love this. John 6. Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Remember, this was how he responded when they asked him, how'd you get here? And he said, don't waste your time. Um, don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you, food that nourishes your lasting life, food the Son of Man provides. He and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. Jesus said, Later in verse 29, not much later, he said, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus said about himself, he said, this is after, you know, the story of the woman at the well. And uh, he says, there's some other water, not just the water from the well, but there's actually living water that's going to bring you ah back to that eternal or everlasting life. Um, a little later on in the dialogue, he's talking to his disciples and he says to them, my food, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work, Ah, to do the will of God. The very food of Jesus, what was satisfying to him at the deepest places was to do the will of God and to accomplish his work. I think of that other place where, um, after Zacchaeus, remember the story of Zacchaeus, the little guy who had to climb in the tree to see Jesus. Um, in, in the course of that story, Jesus said, the son of man came. Why did he come to seek and save the lost? So don't waste your energy on food that's going to perish. The work of God is to believe him, Jesus, whom God sent, that Jesus' very work and his food and his nourishment came from doing the will and the work of the one who sent him. So, what does this look like in our lives? This has been good. We've gone through most of John chapter 6 in this first 20 minutes we've had together. But what does this look like to me today? 
2022, you know, um, I have for a whole lot of years, excuse me, <laughs> done a Bible reading plan. Um, I've done it for enough years of my life that it's just a, part of my rhythm. And uh, listen, honestly, it's not like every day I get something out of it. And it's not like even every day I do it. And sometimes I fall behind. And it's not like I always learn something new or like my life is just, you know, radically transformed. I feel so spiritual every day because I've done my Bible reading plan. It's not like that. Sometimes it feels hard. And honestly, there's days where that daily engagement of the word, it, it, it kind of feels pointless. It, it feels like, uh, oh, it's just hard. And, and I don't, I don't feel that it's life giving. But I still know it's a valuable part of my life because I know there's something mysterious in the written word of God. I know there's things where God said things like the word that comes out of my mouth, it doesn't come back to me void. It doesn't come back, come back to me. God's saying this. It doesn't come back without it accomplishing something in people's lives. It doesn't return empty, but something gets done. In fact, God says it accomplishes the purpose for which I sent it. So I know that even those times when you open your Bible and you read it and you think, I was hoping for this, but I just, listen, there's a mystery to the word of God that it does go deep. In fact, in Hebrews, it says the word of God's living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it goes to those deep places in our heart and in our soul. So I know there's value and I encourage you, there's value in the written word of God. There's value in the spoken word of God. There's value in um, in hearing the word preached, there's value to us. There's value when we discuss the word with one another, when we, with a friend or with our small group, maybe ask questions and, uh, and maybe wrestle through some things that are hard and maybe say, there's some stuff that I really don't understand right now. There's some of the, hey, there's some things in the Old Testament that I don't understand killing all those people and, and conversation and dialogue and, and I think maybe in 2022, it's, if for me, I'm thinking it's a year for how am I going to do this in a new and fresh way? And with whom? Who this year am I going to wrestle through the word with? Maybe it's my small group and maybe it's somebody I'm supposed to be taking under my wing and helping them on their walk and their um, understanding and their introduction even to that, to the Bible, to the word of God. What does that look like? What does that look like for you and me in 2022? I don't have a real good answer, but I, I think it's a really good question. You know, here's the other thing. Well, let's talk about the work for a minute, because in the past 22 months, every time we feel like we're moving forward, it feels like somebody slams the pause button. And instead of feeling like there's things that we can do, we just feel over and over like there's things that we can't do. But I don't want can't to define me. I want to look and take the opportunities. Bert has just a little phrase for 2022. He's saying there's something this year about practical ministry. There's something we need to think about and engage in and figure out how to do because the gospel and the good news isn't supposed to be on hold. We weren't supposed to hit pause on that. And I don't think we have, but what does it look like to move forward? So how were you and I this year engaged the word and the work of Jesus, the work of the Father in 2022? 
What's it going to look like within the church and with one another? What's it going to look like with those who are just taking those first steps of faith? How how are we going to engage? What's it going to look like outside the church? You know, as we finished prayer and fasting this week, Friday night, we had a prayer meeting. Some of you were able to hop onto that Zoom call, and it was interesting to hear the theme through, um, through what people were hearing and feeling like as they prayed during the week. And, and one was at 22, 2022 was going to be a year of friendships and reaching out beyond ourselves and maybe reaching out in your condo building or to your next door neighbors. And it was going to be a year where we were going to ask for God to change and open up and awaken our hearts to other people. Ah, it's been easy to just pray for me in the last 22 months. But what's it look like to let God awaken my heart to his work in the world around me? And one of the things that came out was praying for that servant's heart and looking to how can I serve and how can I help others and and a stirring up a reminder of a heart for the lost. Practical ministry 2022, seeking out a place to serve, seeking out a place to, to dig into the word of God together, community involvement. I don't know about you I, and I don't even completely know about me. I know I'm going to try a couple things. Um, hey, Bert joined a neighborhood uh, group over the Christmas holidays, he's getting to know lots of neighbors because they're building an ice rink to serve the little kids of our community. And uh, so early in the morning and late at night, he's out with some of mostly the men in our neighborhood. And, you know, it's probably a one-man job, but there's five or six of them out, out there. And you know, inevitably, when somebody asks you what you do for a living, and when people ask Bert what he does for a living, well, it's different than the firefighter and the university professor and the doctor. Um, when Bert started talking to me about what does practical ministry look like in 2022, my, my niece in the summer who um, lives in Oakville, she introduced me to something called Project Linus. And, um, for anybody out there who likes to knit or crochet, this organization has been around forever. And what they do is they want um, handmade blankets for babies and toddlers and kids who are hospitalized, who are in, um, some kind of home setting that's not their own and they actually provide handmade blankets. And so I thought, well, I made blankets in the summer and my niece distributed them, but what would it look like to get involved in my area? So I've reached out to the neighborhood coordinator. I don't know if this is exactly what I'm supposed to do to practically serve my my city, but I want to take a step and I want to try some things and I want to reach out. Hey, here's one more just before, before I bring us to a close. I've been thinking a lot about teachers because our kids go back to school tomorrow. And man, I feel for parents. I feel for teachers. One of my dear friends in the Waterloo area has taught for years and years. And, um, my daughter's a teacher. Did I say that part? And, uh, um, I know we've got teachers, Barbara White, who's probably watching today. I know she's a teacher in Alberta and, um, I've been thinking a lot about teachers and I saw a Facebook friend post who's a teacher in Nashville post this great list. How can we as parents, I wish I still had little kids in school. How can we as parents support our teachers in the, in the days and the, uh, the days ahead that are tough for them too, not just for our kids. And my friend Marie in Nashville, she had, she shared this list that somebody put up and there were super practical things like um, maybe drop off some, you know, coffee pods and teas and soda 
sodas to your to your teachers. Maybe drop off some um some you know we can't go in and serve in the classrooms right now. We can't volunteer. We can't put on parties for the kids. But what can we do? Maybe it's some gift cards so all the kids all the teachers can get Tim Hortons for lunch that day. Or um, maybe it's just asking the teacher, "How can I help you?" Or maybe you know you can step out and say to your kids' teachers, "Is there any way that I can be praying for you in 2022?" What does the word in our lives and the work of Jesus look like for us this year? You know, just as we close, I didn't feel like we could fittingly head into Communion Sunday without looking at just that final piece that we read today. And, you know, it's pretty bad when you lose things in your own notes, right? Ah! So... You know, when all is said and done, Jesus, who came to this earth, who lived that life, lived the life we could never live perfectly. He didn't just live that life. And the advantage we have looking back on John chapter 6 that the original hearers didn't have was that we know that not too long after this, the culmination of this would be um, would bring so much clarity to these final words. Let's just look at them again. For my flesh is true food and my blood is to drink, true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father who feeds on me. He also will live because of me. You know, isn't this communion? It's communion Sunday. And now we understand that it wasn't just Jesus' incarnation here on earth, but it was that moment where his body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. So as we enter in a couple of minutes here into communion, ponder these things, that the fullness of the bread of life was the life, the death, the shedding of blood and the resurrection of our Lord. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.